0: Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit HelloFreedomChurch.com. I lift my eyes and see the mountains before me. From where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. Let us call on the Lord. give thanks for all he's done and he will deliver us and set us apart he will heal our land and forgive our sins if we call on his name and just pray My name is Jared, one of the pastors here at Freedom Church at our Grand Forks campus. We are one church, two locations with a campus at Crookston, Minnesota. So welcome, Crookston campus, joining us. So good to have you with us. And I know it's so good to have you guys with Pastor Mary, who's there. Um, so as you know, we've been in a, just started a sermon series last week called Just Pray. And you know, some sermon series tackle very specific topic. You know, a couple months ago, we did a sermon series called God's Plan, where we looked at God's plan for marriage, sex, sexuality, and big concepts, but for a specific, you know, topic. Another sermon series we did was entitled Nine to Five, about work, big concepts, but for a specific topic. But a sermon series like Just Pray, it kind of has a way of shadowing all other topics. I um, mean, this is something, the very cornerstone Type of a, a topic that you can apply to any and every area of life. So it has a special importance, you could say, because of how it fuels our our Christian living, a Christian life in almost every area. And so we really at Freedom Church have a, a real deep heart and passion for this sermon series, which because like I said, it colors just so much, it's just a cornerstone, how we call upon the Lord. This is so important to us. And, you know, I was thinking about just our lives and how it relates to prayer. And I was thinking it has a lot of similarities to firefighters. And specifically firefighters who fight like wildfires and forest fires, let's say in, in a state like California. You know, firefighters, they, they battle these, these fires with a lot of you know, heroicism, if that's a word. Yeah, they use every available resource, equipment, hoses, and they battle those fires, and they can rage quite dangerously. And, you know, similar to us, we, I'm sure, all have at least a fire in our life, something that we're battling, something that we're fighting against. But those firefighters, they, regardless of how hard they fight, regardless of how even successful they are, the unfortunate reality is that those firefighters are not fighting fires, The main enemy and the main opponent to those firefighters is not the flame that's in front of them, but it is actually the climate. Because no matter how many fires they put out in a given year, even if they put out every single fire, do you know what? Next year, because of the climate, there will be more fires. Because of the arid, dry, waterless climate, those fires will actually never be beat. The climate supports wildfires, And therefore, a firefighter's greatest battle in those wildfires in California is not the current flame, but it's the climate. Those flames will keep coming back. And the same thing is true for us. There might be battles that you're fighting in your life, fires that you're trying to put out, and you use every available resource to you, and no matter how many fires you put out, unless there is a change in the climate, you are not actually fighting this particular fire. Unless there is a change in the spiritual climate in your life, your enemy is not even this current fire, because that will support a reoccurrence of the flame. And what we have in prayer is a resource to change the spiritual climate. You know, they don't have as many wildfires in North Dakota as they do in California, probably because 75% of the year is covered with water. in one way, shape, or another. The climate does not support it. And in your life, I would encourage you this morning to think of prayer, to think of God as something, someone that can change the spiritual climate in your life. So if you have access to God's Word this morning, why don't you turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians, kind of towards the middle, one of the smaller books. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. And if you don't have access to God's Word, again, we'd love to have you take a Bible that's on the table home with you. I want everyone to have access to God's Word here. It's our gift to you. Or if not, it'll be on the screen, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. So this is what the Bible informs us about our lives and about the fires we might be fighting in our life. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Did you know that? Did you know that the physical things in our life, the actual physical manifestations of the fire, is not even what we're actually battling against. It might be the immediate battle, but it's not actually the war. Paul's saying we don't even wrestle against flesh and blood. The flesh and blood, that's a part of it. We don't even... That's not even the enemy. But we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's the spiritual climate in our world. There is a spiritual reality, there is a spiritual climate, and in many areas... The Apostle Paul is saying that the spiritual climate is one of a dry, arid, waterless climate that actually supports the work of the evil one. Things that go beyond what we can see, touch, taste, feel, smell into an actual realm that influences the here and now, influences the flesh and blood. I mean, that is just a category shift. We're not born with that understanding. We're not born with that recollection because we can't see that. But, he's, but the Bible is saying that that is as influential on your life today, what is going on in places that you can't see, it is as influential today for you as it is the climate for the firefighters in California fighting wildfires. It is the first cause. It is the primary mover and shaker for things. So what is the Bible's recommendation? He gives the, the armor of God, which maybe you may be familiar with we won't dive into that today but in verse 18 it says this so you put on the armor of god praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints could you be more repetitive Praying at all times in in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, prayer, what I just mentioned, keep alert with all perseverance, probably in prayer. Making supplication for all the saints, prayer. One verse, I see six references to prayer in one verse. at all times, pray. At all times, keep the channels of communication with you and God open. At all times, let no day pass that it gets crusted over or foggy. Let those lines of communication be open and preserved at all times. And the start of verse eighteen says, "Pray at all times in the spirit." Do you know there's a, a point in history that the people of God couldn't pray in the spirit? I mean, there was prayer in the Old Testament; they could call upon God. But what we have been given since Jesus is an access to the spiritual realm, and we can pray in the spirit. We can actually engage directly with what is going on in the spiritual realm. And for that, I want to show you, I want to take you back to when the the church really began. And we're going to see just what the foundation of the church in the book of Acts was, where we as a church find our origins in the church age, you could say. So you can leave Ephesians and go to the the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and we're going to start in chapter 1. Acts 1. So this is after Jesus was killed and resurrected, and he spent a time on earth with his disciples, and this is when he's ascending into heaven, and he's giving instructions to his disciples on earth. So Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. We're going to be jumping around a little bit in this chapter but this is this is how it began this is how we as a church began some 2000 odd years ago this is how it started acts 1 sorry verse 4 and while staying with them he as in Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So you think of Ephesians where it says, pray in the Spirit. Utilize the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, praying at all times in the Spirit. And so Jesus is now at the beginning of that saying, I'm going to send the gift of the Holy Spirit. So don't do anything until he comes. Like, wait. But Jesus, the mission is so urgent We can't just sit around and do nothing. You ever said that when it comes to prayer? Jesus is actually saying whatever you do aside from prayer is pointless unless you wait for God in prayer. So he says, wait for the promise of the the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, he says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Man, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus said, I don't want you to get distracted from this. I don't want you to get distracted from all of the things to miss that I'm actually going to give you power in the Holy Spirit to accomplish the things that are so active and even alive in your heart to do. So wait, and I'll give you the Holy Spirit. So what did they do? Verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem. This is after Jesus was ascended and lifted up to heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So they are just given the most amazing, inspiring, you receive power to just change the world. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. And they go back to the upper room and gather together and they pray. And they devote themselves to prayer. Now at this stage, the church didn't have anything, anything else to lean on. They didn't have any finances. They didn't have any political sway. They certainly didn't have any social influence because the crowd chanted, kill Jesus, who they're still claiming is the Messiah. They had nothing else to lean on. And you know, when you're in that place, maybe you're in that place this morning where you have nothing else to lean on. Do you know if you have nothing else to lean on, it doesn't automatically mean you're leaning on God. You still have to lean on God. But sometimes it's easier when you have nothing, no other options. Say, God, here I am. I have nothing, so I am now going to lean on you and pray and seek your face. Man, that is a beautiful place. When all you have is God. Chapter 2 now. They're praying. And when the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place, and they weren't playing Scrabble. I mean, they were praying still. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Whoa! They had just been given something that wasn't there before. And nothing outside of that room changed. Nothing outside of that room changed. But the spiritual climate of that little group, what had been given to them in the spirit, in the spiritual places was totally different, was totally changed at that moment. Even though outside of that room, nothing had changed. Jesus had still been crucified. The people that had crucified him were still living there. There were still obstacles, they still didn't have any money, they still do not have political sway or social influence, nothing outside of them changed, but the climate, the spiritual climate, something had changed there, dramatically had changed in response to their corporate group prayer. So how did that influence them? Well, people heard them. Praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, which is other languages. And people who spoke those languages said, hey, you're not from where I'm from, and I can hear what you're saying. I can understand what you're saying. So God gathered a group of people. Then Peter stood up and preached to the crowd, which he had just, like, ran away from because they were going to kill him too. He preached in front of the crowd. And then it says this. Now, verse 37, now when they heard this, Peter's preaching, they were cut to the heart And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we'll jump down to verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. Added from like yesterday. Yesterday. You cannot plan an evangelistic campaign with that much success. You cannot even print that many Bible tracts in a day, basically. You can't even knock on that many people's doors. There is no way that we could strategize for this. There is no way that we could plan and craft how to do this. There's no way. And yet overnight, God, in response to their faithfulness to prayer and to seeking him, did a miracle. Gave them a, a return that you, we cannot conjure up on our own. 3,000 souls. What would happen, I just like to think about this, what would happen if 3,000 souls were saved to Freedom Church overnight? That'd be crazy. I'm just going to leave you with that. <laughs> you think about that. So awesome, awesome beginnings. But then as is true for most of us, if you've ever been in a place where all you had was God, if you lean on God, he starts to answer your prayers. You start to get established. Things start to move. And throughout the book of Acts, all of a sudden, they were gaining the things that they didn't have before. People were selling like their entire farms and their lands and just giving away their stuff and laying the money at the apostles' feet. They were starting to fill their bank account. They started to have finances coming through. And the people that came to the church were scribes, Pharisees, even people from Herod, the like big political leader, were following Jesus. So they had some political influence And they even started to have social influence. They were growing. I mean, you can't deny 3,000 people coming to an institution. And so how do you respond when all of a sudden you have other things to lean on? How do you respond personally when all of a sudden there's God and these other ways? I can tell you from personal experience that our inclination is not to stay leaning on Jesus. But we start to explore other options, exploring other strategies. Well, how did it play out for this early church? Now let's go over to the, the book of Acts, the chapter 12. And at this point, you may have heard of the Apostle Paul. Before he was called Paul, he was called Saul, which is kind of confusing because they sound a lot alike. If you're going to rename yourself, at least choose a different name, totally different. Like Jackson or something. Uh, but Saul was actually like the head Hancho Pharisee. So in like Israel, the religious leaders were kind of like the leaders over their whole society, even though the Romans were over their society. It's kind of convoluted. But Pharisee was the up-and-coming, or Saul, Saul was the up-and-coming Pharisee. He had a lot of pull, a lot of pull. And prior to chapter 12, he actually gets humbled by the Lord Jesus and joins the church. So now the church has this like ace in the hole card. We have this individual that has pull, influence. Now, anything they didn't have in chapter 1, they have now. Financial support, political support, social influence. And then their leaders start to get imprisoned. Acts 12, about that time, Herod, the Roman ruler who was over that area, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword, who was an apostle, a leader of the church. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter. This was also during the days of the 11th bread. So now the church's leader, earthly leader, Peter, the apostle Peter, was imprisoned, having just killed a apostle, a fellow apostle. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. And the people were gonna say, Kill him too. So now you're the early church, you have thousands of followers, thousands of people a part of the church, not only in Jerusalem, but across the region, area. I mean, this is a big movement by this time. What would you do? We have financial resources. How could we pool our finances in order to bail Peter out of jail? I'm sure bribery was alive and well back then. What would you do with the political influence you had if you were the early church? What would you send out What would you do with the social influence you had at that time? More resources available for them to craft man-made strategies. What did they do? So, Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Earnest prayer. Prayer. You cannot top God's power. Do you know if they would have pooled their finances, if they would have pooled their political influence, if they would have like brought Paul, uh, Saul out, be like, hey, you're about to you know, kill Peter who actually led, helped to lead this guy to the Lord, you know, the church, and, and that would be a really bad thing and pool your social influence. It, what would it have done? It might have done something, but it wouldn't have done this. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. He ain't getting out. That's what that means. That's just the commentary. He's not getting out. And behold, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, And a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Because Peter had never broken out of prison before. He didn't know how to do it. The angel had to tell him how to do it. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them. OK? Does't usually happen. I bet I just saw this. I bet we could have got Peter to the gate, but then we really struggled with the gate thing. the iron gate. What do you do with the iron gate? It opened for them, of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Man. Financial resources could not do that. Political influence could not do that. Social support could not do that. And even if it could, a semblance of that, there would be collateral damage or at least glory divided from the Lord. That was as pure and clean and glorious of an answer of a rescue that you could ever imagine. And he goes back to the church and you can, they were in a prayer meeting, of course. That's what they were doing. And you can read more of that story, but man, So the church, when they had nothing, leaned on the Lord. And the church, when they had a lot more resources, still as earnestly leaned on the Lord. Man, are we that way? Are we that way? A lot of times we look to the Lord to bless the other things we're leaning on. Rather than leaning on Him and expecting answers from Him, from His hand. You know, it's I heard a... a, I was reading a stat this week that you know the average if you think of the stock market the average yearly return in the stock market is about ten, 6 to 10%. So in any given year the average return a financial return in the stock market is about 6 to 10%. So if you invested your money in an I don't know average way you could averagely expect six to 10 percent return on that in any, any given year. I mean for the last like 20, 30 years, that's about where it's been at. Six to 10 percent. But do you know that last year, the, the company that had the highest return, just last year was in the vicinity of like 700 percent return? just blew everybody else out of the water. The second was like 300%, which is still crazy. And you know, if you invest your life into the average man-made strategies, you will get an average return. It will be average. It could even be six, maybe even 10% return on your investment. If you invest your life, your energies, your hopes, your faith, your belief, your strategies in an average man-made thing, you will probably get an average return, maybe even 10%. But you know, if you invest yourself into the Lord, He is able to give a return that cannot even be fathomed by man. The man-made strategies cannot even touch the things God can do. So if you invest in a man-made strategy, you will get a man-made return. But if you invest in a God-sized investment in God, you will get a God-sized return. And you can't have both. That's the hard reality this morning. You cannot have both. What you are leaning on is the return you will get. And oftentimes we fool ourselves. And I'm inviting us this morning to look at what we are expecting. Where do we expect our return to come from? What are we investing our hopes in, our beliefs in? Who are we taking our earnestness to about this fire? You don't have to turn here. I'll just read it. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 about the difference between getting your reward from man, and getting your reward from God, and you can't have both. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. It even happens to us in prayer, that we're doing spiritual things, praying, coming to church, and if it includes those things, how much more would it include other things that don't involve God, church, reading the Bible or praying? So if they're doing those things, for the sake of a man-made reward, namely being seen by man, Jesus saying, they have the reward. That's all they're going to get from that prayer. That's all they're getting. Regardless of the words, regardless of their request. their heart is wanting the affirmation of man. Their heart is wanting a reward that comes from man. And Jesus is saying, regardless of what you're asking for, you've got your reward. That's what you wanted. That's where you're looking, and that's where your reward is. So Jesus is saying, don't let it be that. Don't let it in be invested in something that's man-made. Instead, he says, but when you pray, leave behind the reward that you could get from man. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is saying the impulse is I'm leaving behind any opportunity to get rewarded by man. That my reward comes from God alone. I will look to him, and he will supply. What I need. Obviously, this isn't saying you can't, you can never pray in public, but people who pray in public should be ready to resist the temptation of doing it for, in front of people. And this concept, if it can even come in prayer, how much more can it come in other areas? How much more can we let our finances, our politics, or our social influence lean on those things to see our needs met, rather than earnestly coming before the Lord? In prayer and just pray. And saying, God, I'm not going to lean on those things. Now, obviously, God can open up doors to utilize, man. I'm not saying it's one or the other, but as Pastor Nathan said last week, it's all about how you begin, it's all about where you start. And for us to start in prayer is where we need to be, because prayer can change the spiritual climate like nothing else can. Prayer can change the spiritual. Climate like nothing else can. I have a personal testimony of this that I'll close with. So, when I was born, I was not born into a Christian home. And maybe a couple years after I was born, my mom took a trip to Utah to visit her sister who had just come to know the Lord. And my aunt won my mom to the Lord in a very genuine, powerful way. And when my mom returned, I was maybe only a couple years old, so I don't remember this. When my mom returned, she returned to a husband who thought she had been brainwashed and joined a cult. No joke. And so you can imagine the struggle that ensued the next couple years. My mom is growing her passion for the Lord, And is eagerly desiring my dad to join as well. That she had just discovered this priceless treasure. And of course she'd want her family and her husband to share in it. Well, what ended up happening is her efforts to win him, to sway his opinion, to talk to him about it, only ended up making his heart more cold to it and more resistant and more resistant until it just came to a head that this was not working. This was not working. My mom was praying for my dad, but I talked to her this week, so I had permission to share this. But the the strategy she was employing was largely her own, to win her husband to the Lord. And there came a point in an intense conflict. My dad thought, again, she was brainwashed and was joining a cult, Where my mom realized that I am not succeeding in this. I cannot do this when my husband's the Lord. And the phrase that she adopted was if I can't talk to my husband about God, then I'm going to talk to God about my husband. And that marked a strategy shift. A intentional, specific strategy shift to say, I can't win this battle. There was some success though because he would drive us to church. That was the ground that my mom had won on her own. There was an average return. He drove us to church, dropped us off, attended a little bit. That was the return. And I think about my life, what if it would have stayed there what if, what if my upbringing would have stayed there? With a mom who's on fire for the Lord, appreciate, but with a dad that's, this is just for my own life, a dad that's not on board. And for all the ways I look up to my dad, to have that be totally absent, man, that would be an average return. And I thank the Lord for my mom's conversion. But she made a change. She said, if I can't do this on my own, I'm going to give it to God. Now I'm going to pray for my husband and, and, Pull back my own efforts because I can't initiate my own efforts and pray to God at the same time because God said you can't have both. Which one are you going to lean on? So she said, I'm going to go forward in prayer and go back in the strategies that I was thinking would work and just pray. And it was years, not days, months, but years when my dad came to the Lord. And I always thought it was because my mom gave him the book that he ultimately read and repented and believed. And I always thought up until this week that my mom had given him the book, the famous book, you know, the book that my dad read, and the Lord humbled him, and he repented and came to the Lord. But up until this week, I did not know, up until I was rehashing it with my mom, that he, she didn't give him the book. She was just reading it, and it was just in the house. And my dad just picked it up and started reading it. I didn't know until this week how one-sided the whole, his whole salvation was until this week. And my dad came to know the Lord when I was a junior higher in a powerful, dramatic way. The same summer that I came to know the Lord at Bible camp. You know, woot for Bible camp, love it. And I grew up with a dad that was on fire for God. So I looked up to him in every area, and I still do. And all I can think is how thankful I am that my return in my family was supernatural. I would have been happy with an average, natural, man-made return. But what I have been given because of the Lord... It's just beyond, beyond me, and I'm just so thankful that my mom did that, that she gave it to the Lord and pulled back all the things I would have probably kept trying, pulled back and said, Lord, I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to let you open things. I'm going to let you do things. And when years went by and nothing seemed to be moving, you know, she didn't even know things were churning in his heart. Until one day he said, he called her and said, we have to talk. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh my gosh, no. And he just told her, I just want you to know I got saved today. Let me talk about a bombshell. And so my mom is a, one of my heroes of faith. And so this, this morning I want you to know that prayer does change the spiritual climate of your life your friends, your family's life and to give him the the first place, to give him that and to seek him and to trust him and even when you have nothing, even when you have all sorts of avenues to earnestly be devoted to prayer because God can give you a return that is just beyond anything else and so I'll have the band come back up as as we close and so I invite you today let the Lord search your heart I wouldn't doubt that prayers are being made across this church for all sorts of things, but it's not so much what's being made in prayer, but what, is else, what else is accompanying it. Are there man-made strategies? Are there man-made tactics? Things that you think will, will win the day. Things that haven't been opened or sanctioned by God. I mean, if you look at your life and you think, if I asked you how many things that you're doing to put out that fire you've been told by God to do, that you felt a leading, you felt an open door, that this is God saying to go, if you, if you took away all of that, anything that God hasn't spoken to you about or directed you, and if you took all that away, what would you be left with? Now I'm gonna say, I'm gonna invite you this morning to let the Lord search your heart and say, and invite him, not just invite him in, but say, you're gonna lead this, I'm gonna give it to you, and I'm gonna keep it in your hands until you bring me back into it. Maybe it is relational. If it's a relational fire in your life, I just wanna commend to you that God can change the spiritual climate of that relationship way more than we can. And so we're going to close on this song and I'll come back and we're going to have some people up here to pray with you that if you want to just offer something in prayer say I've been leaning on my own strength I have not been leaning on the Lord I have not got a word or direction from God in this I've just been going on my own give you an opportunity to pray with people about that. Um, if you want to come to the stage during the song and pray you can feel free to do that if you want to stand or sit Whatever facilitates you meeting with the Lord and just being honest and putting him first, we invite you to do that. So let's pray. Father, you, you have given us access to your treasure trove. And you invited us to say, if my people will call upon my name, ask and it will be given to you. But you say, don't pray, don't live your life expecting and looking for the reward from man because then I can't give you anything. You have your reward. So Father, I pray you forgive us for leaning on our financial options, for leaning in our hearts on our resources, for leaning in our hearts on the political atmosphere. Forgive us for leaning in our hearts on our social influence, what we can do socially or our winsome personality. God, that doesn't mean anything. Lord, all winsome personalities can do is maybe bring a person to a church that cannot get them to humble themselves and to confess the name of Jesus and to say, you're number one, God. Only you can do that. So Father, we give you our our lives. We give you these fires. Blessed be your name. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.